Welcome back to Insurance Happy Hour. This is Laird. And I'm Becky. How are you, Becky? I'm good. I'm good. It's it's Friday, which is nice. It's yeah. been a long week. Yeah. And I, I, I posted a, a picture on our social media yesterday that I, I had to laugh at because it was it was Scott Upfield and David Burlesmith uh, back like 20, 24 years ago. Mm-hmm. And they were wearing ties. Yes. Which is hilarious to me. Well, it's even funnier is that if you actually look at Scott, he is wearing suspenders. <laughs> And so I asked him about those suspenders and he was like, you know what? I, um, I I think I probably wore them that day and that (laughs) That was was the only one. It's just so funny to me because our, our company dress code is very casual, Mm -hmm. right? And so there was apparently a time at ITC where it was ties. <laughs> it looked like it looked like a photo from the IRS in the seventies. Yeah, that's exactly what it looks like. Um, but I just I I mentioned that because you are even more casual than usual today. Yeah, I might be wearing a band T-shirt today. Just might might be. I'm I'm, I'm wearing. You're not a, sure. I'm I'm wearing a tool shirt. Um, and I know you like tool. I, I do like tool, and I'm a I'm a. 24 ever uh, music listener. Like I listen to music all the time throughout the day. Uh, in I can the always car. tell when you're coding because you're really <laughs> you got the metal turned way up. <laughs> and so um, after 13 years, Tool came out with a new album today. Ah, you're so excited about that. I am stoked. It How is, is it? 75. It's like 75 minutes long. Wow. And you know my. Musical tastes have changed throughout the years. Yeah. If you if you notice, I, I listen a lot more. Um, what's called post rock? It's at- atmospheric mixed with, um, you know, kind of rock rhythm and, and rock rock uh, chords and all that. But it's it's usually doesn't have lyrics. And this new album is very much in line with that. So they they evolved with you. They evolved with me. Now you know the the lyrics. Or did you involve with them? The, yeah. Or no, because I haven't heard any. I haven't heard anything from them in thirteen True. years. True. Fair. And you know the the album's a lot more. Uh, you know, Maynard's vocals are a lot more tribal. There's a tribal feel to it, mm-hmm. and it, it's just really unique. And it's nothing like. Uh, tool albums have passed the first single that I, and really, I don't think that this will ever get like radio play because each track is 10 minutes or more long. Wow. And you know, that's not uncommon for a tool song, but whenever all the tracks are, over the 10 tracks minutes, are there's not a radio edit version out there. And, um, but the first one was kind of like a journey through all the first track, uh, fear inoculum was a journey through all of tools, different uh musical styles throughout the years mm-hmm. it sounded like a compilation track that sounds cool it, it was it was really cool like every time it's pointed out to people i was like that's a compilation track and they're like oh my god you're right and the rest of the album is different they're they've moved on to a new journey and so it's like this is where we were this is where we've we've been and and now this is where we are today correct and you know i i I'm okay with that there's a lot of bands that get in trouble because they change their uh sound uh immensely like Emerosa is a band do you know about them nope um well they have you know they were a very rockish band and all that and then all of a sudden they went and did uh, i think the name of the album was like peach pit or something like that but they went from rock to an absolute top 40 pop sound over not a very long period of time mm. and whenever you do something like that yeah you can piss off some fans yeah 
but if you have a 13 year break, you know, you can actually just say, Hey, our, our sound has evolved in that time. You're not expecting something from an album that you got 13 years ago. Yeah. So I'm enjoying it. It's, it's nice. You know, I almost, there was a, a part of me that almost said I didn't want another tool album to come out. Because you, you you was you were worried it would it wouldn't hold up. Correct, and you know then it's it it became a common running joke. I remember uh, Grant Random on uh, Sirius XM. He would end every one of his little news segments with how um, Tool it has still not come out with a new album, even though they've been talking about it for years. So yeah, it's a it's a joyous day that. Uh, I, uh, you know, it's I, Christmas in August. I, I, it is. And I actually don't, did not sleep well last night because you were so excited um, or just because of other uh, things, just because of other things. And, um, so I woke up a few times, you know, I had a couple odd dreams, a couple, I guess, bad dreams. Then I had a, in the middle of the night, I heard someone knocking like no kidding, knocking. And it, it was right at the end of a dream that had nothing to do with someone should be knocking. And it felt, sounded like someone was knocking and mm. I wake up, I mean, just ready to roll. Right. Yeah. And you know, the, everything is fine. Nobody, I got cameras on the outside of the house and nothing on the cameras. Everything is fantastic. You know? And so it was obviously in my dream, but it had my heart racing so much. And I'm like, you know, tool album was released at midnight. <laughs> it's, uh, so you're up at 2 a.m. listening to it it's uh 3 30 on a friday morning and there's a new tool album out yeah i'm awake i'm listening to it <laughs> so how many times have you listened to it already I've, I've been through it three times i mean but whenever the album's 75 flipping minutes long <laughs> there's gotta be a point yeah that you you do it um but yeah it's I'm, I've enjoyed it, so it's, that's good. It's it's made my day. Yeah, I'm I'm less grumpy today just because there's a new Tool album. You are a little happier, I can tell. And I, I wear my I wore a Tool shirt, and yep. you know it's uh, funny. You know, you you live as a Tool fan because uh, I, I, you walk around and people go Tool, like, oh, are you a Tool? Or you know, what kind of Tool is that? You know, shut up. <laughs> and if you actually knew Tool, it. It's a their name their band name's a joke to them. So. Yeah. All right. So that's my story <laughs> for today. Well, I'm I'm glad you're having a great Friday. Um, I did have a couple of news things I wanted to talk about before we get to the the bigger topic for today. Um, the meat and the potatoes. Yeah. This is kind of your your appetizer, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you see the news that Tesla finally? finally launched their insurance product in California this week. I did not, actually. Yes. Um, so they they are, are now, you know, Elon Musk had mentioned it several months ago that, that they were going to be doing that. And this week they finally began offering uh, auto insurance to Tesla owners in California. And like I said, it's uh, – yeah, I, I think the insurance companies themselves did this to them. Yeah. And – because Teslas were extremely notoriously uh, expensive to repair, and the prices were so high on them. Yeah, and, I mean, and he says like we can save we can save you like easily twenty percent, if not up to thirty percent. Exactly, and they're in they're being because they know all the supply side chain and everything like that. They they can go okay. We know how much it costs to repair this. Yeah. So, and what's great for Tesla is that that assures or Tesla owners that assures. That they get OEM parts. 
Yeah. And they get everything done right. It, it, it's it, it's great for Tesla owners. Yeah. And it's almost a uh, – it should be a little bit of a caution flag to the insurance industry that you know they need to understand the market and do what they can to keep costs low because I, I heard Tesla owners had – um, insurance, outrageous, outrageous yeah. insurance. I yeah. mean, absolutely crazy. And now uh, they're, they're going to lose those those customers. And then you've got loyal Tesla customers. But what happens next? Does Ford finally pull it off? I mean, mm-hmm. well, right now Tesla is only doing personal auto. Like they're eventually going to be offering uh, commercial add-ons to that for people doing rideshare. With their Teslas, um, and obviously expanding which isn't to other even, states, which isn't even a big, a, it, that's a gap. That's yeah. a gap insurance because um, that's that's for, you know I don't know if people understand this, but whenever you order an Uber, from the point that you order it and the person accepts the ride, mm-hmm. then um, oh sorry, let, let's start over. Okay, um, from the point that a person turns on the app. Mm-hmm. And is waiting for a ride and driving around doing whatever. They're on their personal insurance. Yep. And there's no real way to prove that they were ride sharing or not uh, at that time. But the second that they accept that ride, and from the distance from the, where the ride start, where they, they accepted the ride to the point that they pick up the person, they are technically uninsured mm. because then that that's where that gap is. Right. It's such a Minimal period because the second that you get a rider in your car, all of a sudden Uber is now covering or Lyft or whatever is actually covering the insurance for that ride. Right. And so people need to uh, understand it that adding that little thing is not that big of a deal. It's yeah. very trivial. Now, I've talked to a lot of insurance carriers who are like, yeah, it's, it's trivial. We add it on and we're able to advertise, hey, Uber, Lyft drivers, come work with us. Right. But, uh, I, I still have yet to get into a uh, Tesla Uber. <laughs> I know, right? I don't, I don't, I don't think Tesla drivers are, are used owners are driving for Uber or Lyft because um, you know the cars are expensive. Yeah, and then on top of that, um, really, it, it's in a lot of ways, unless you charge at home overnight and all that, the price of charging vehicles is starting to come on parity with um, gasoline. Gasoline, yeah. With it being gasoline, the, with that parity being in place between gasoline and electric, then it just becomes a social cause that you're driving a Tesla. Mm. And the problem with Teslas is they have f- technically four models, but they have three models. Yeah, they have the S, the three, and the X. They still the Roadster they don't make anymore, but they have three models. Yeah, and all three of those models look exactly the same. There's no differentiation. There's no like you know special spoiler package or anything yeah. that really sets it apart. But, you know, they have still yet to really refresh the design. There's been iterative changes. Yeah. Well, that's, that's technology, right? There's mm-hmm. always iterative changes. You don't do a whole lot of big, huge Yeah, but stuff. look at the F-150. That thing gets refreshed every three or four years, and it's massive. Well, Tesla is not a car company. They're a technology company, right? Sure. <laughs> just, okay. just like every online aggregator is not an insurance agency <laughs> or lead provider. They're a tech company. Yeah. Um, the other thing My, I want to – my new name is Insurance Online Blockchain. <laughs> My valuation is at $10 billion. Um, so the other thing I want to talk about real quick is, is UPS and autonomous vehicles. Okay. So UPS just announced last week that they have made a minority investment in an 
autonomous driving company called Too Simple, where they're they're testing autonomous tractor trailers and and how that can affect their logistics and, and getting packages to their destinations quicker. Yeah, it's it's amazing that the that this was brought on by regulations. Yeah. And what's really seriously crazy about it is that the reason why these are starting to become a big deal is there is – for on-the-road OTR truckers, mm-hmm. they have a serious lack of people right now. Yeah. And it's because of the new electronic logbook requirements that you – now you can't handwrite and fudge it and all that. It's all electronic. So you get pulled over by a cop or at a, at a checkpoint. They plug in. They see your le- electronic logs and they go, oh, you've been driving illegally. Illegal driving is where OTRs made their money. Mm-hmm. That's the overtime. They, they would find ways to always be operating because um, like a plane for an airline, it only makes money when it's in the air. Yeah. It doesn't make money when it's on the ground. Yep. And the same thing for a truck. And so all these regulations have really pushed out uh, – caused the prices to go up astronomically and pushed out a lot of drivers because they're not getting as much. And in the end, it's again like fast food mm-hmm. that – Prices, regulations like minimum wage or um, certain requirements on driving causes prices to go up a lot. Yep. And then technology is finding a way to replace that. Yep. And help keep costs down instead of continuing to rise. And I, and, um, I, I've got a friend that uh, works for a uh, one of the truck the technology providers for trucking, mm-hmm. and uh, she she talks about how autonomous vehicles and you know it was i remember seeing a share that uh, she did that was about look at the you know they did a coast-to-coast fully autonomous truck ride now right. there's a person behind the wheel however whenever you start automating that stuff you are going to save a t- they're going to save a ton of money once that technology is mature mm-hmm. and you know having a person having a person behind it however is still important. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with the driving from point A to point B. Is that it's also they can help logistically get stuff that in and out of the truck. You know, if the truck just shows up, then you have to have people there. And uh, one of the other big issues that are in there is like whenever you show up and then they're not ready to take the stuff on or off the truck, and then the driver's no longer getting paid. But whenever you have the autonomous thing, that, that helps. Yeah. So there, there's a lot of that. But that is what makes insurance different mm-hmm. is that, yeah, sure, you know, a chat bot could technically do everything that an agent can do on the phone. On the or phone on, or on, on, on the online. website. Yeah. yeah. It, it could, you could automate the entire thing. However, consumers still want to talk to a person on their insurance buying mm-hmm. in, in some way, shape or form. They want to feel they can see right through the, even the best bots that they're talking to a bot. Well, most people know if, if when that message pops up on a website, hey, how can I help you today? That that's not a person. That that's a chatbot. <laughs> At least in the beginning. At some point, it might get it might flip over to a person. But you I, know, in the beginning, that's that's a chatbot. Yeah, I was surprised last night at four a.m. listening to a Tool album, surfing a website. Someone asked me if I wanted to chat. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. I don't want to go there. <laughs> Actually, I was trying to buy the uh, Tool album on CD. Uh, on CD? Yeah, you know what? I every everybody has gone to Spotify and all that, and I'm happy. You know, Tool is now on Spotify and streaming services, so everybody's like super happy under that. I'm but every Tool fan. Sometimes, sometimes 
I still want to make sure the band gets some of my money mm. and you know thank them. Well, for that's the why work. you go to concerts and buy merch. I, I, obviously, I, I do that. But, <laughs> you know, let's just get the album. And also, the they, the album has a special video screen on it. And oh my god, I'm it has a video screen. Oh my gosh, you oh. are so nerd. <laughs> and the thing is, it's like my car doesn't have a CD player. So, <laughs> so where are you gonna listen to this? <laughs> like my computer. You have a Surface that doesn't have a disc drive. <laughs> I know. I have a Surface. I have a CD player. My 2010 truck, it has a CD player. <laughs> you know, in, uh, but yeah, I, I, th- I don't know. Sometimes, yeah. all right. So yes, okay, I just want to point out. I just want to point out though that even back, how long ago was it when CDs were a thing? Like mm-hmm. 20 years ago now. Yeah. God, we're old. <laughs> <laughs> But even 20 years ago, you buy a CD, that band doesn't get that much from that CD purchase. It's the concerts and oh, the merch sales oh, that they absolutely, get money on. Absolutely. And, they would get a fraction of that CD and, you know, revenue. I, I've, I'm not a uh, – I'll, I'll get in trouble with this, but uh, I'm not a vinyl fan. I, I don't like Oh, vinyls. the audio files just yeah. hung up. <laughs> they hit end. <laughs> I know. But the reason why is that I am a true audiophile. Like, I want to hear it exactly as the band meant it be. And if they want, if the band wanted to record it analog, then they will record it analog. And then they will, they, then they can put it on a, a disc and it should sound a little bit of warmth in there, or they'll put it on CD and it'll sound analog. However, they don't. They record digitally because they want to hear every high note, everything. They want to hear it perfectly. You don't have that fidelity, you know, when you say the hi-fi. Yeah. That is not a uh, vinyl. Okay. All right. Bringing this back <laughs> to what we're here to talk about today. Um, I need a carrot. Yeah, you do. Um, so, be atomic and, What's and B-Atomic? They're a, they're a technology startup with uh, Seth Zaremba from Zinc Insurance um, Sydney Rose, part of it. She's their CMO. Oh, cool. And they've, they've had some other, uh, agencies and I, maybe carriers, I think, uh, partner in on this, on this new startup. But their, they, their name makes me think of that, uh, that Marilyn Manson song. What's that? Uh, it's, uh, B atomic, B, B atomic, <laughs> B atomic. Yeah. <laughs> um, is it spelled B A T O M I C? It's, it's B the letter B atomic. Okay. 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 Yeah. Uh, so, so Sydney put out a video, I uh, last week talking about data and how insurance agents should own their data. No shit, Sherlock. <laughs> I, I know, I know, and I'm, and that's certainly how we view the data that comes through our products, right? Mm-hmm. We know, and there's a lot that goes through our products. Yep. We do what more than two million auto and home quotes on our radar every month. Mm-hmm. I, I don't even know how much is in our management systems, but fifty million carrier rates. I mean, yeah, right. Like there's, there's, a, there's, there's a ton of data, ton of data, mm-hmm. but we we know that that data is not ours. It is not. It is the agents. That is correct. But not everybody feels that way. That is unfortunate. And I've always been a proponent of this. I, that uh, you, you don't own the data. Yeah. It, the, the agency does. It's the agency's data time in, time out. I think that something is happening with our mindset, though, is that not, you know, not here, but I'm saying just the general population these days, is that 
data is getting to the point where it's just ubiquitous and everybody kind of assumes that everybody's collecting data about everybody and all that data is being shared and all that. And that's not the reality. That's not how things are, but Mm. everybody's getting complacent with it. Agents should own their data. The other problem is if they, they know the reason why they don't care about owning their data is because they're not using it. Right. That, that was my point. They're not paying attention. Right. You have there there are some agencies out there that, that are and are, are looking at how based off their data how they can improve their operations and, and and all of that. But for the most part as a whole, most agencies have no idea anything about their data. Or or they might know their their blanket retention rate, right? Yeah. Which that's a whole other episode we can talk about. But uh any anything deeper than that, their actual growth, their true retention, their um, you know their activity behavior data around what their staff's doing every day, what their carriers are doing, like they they don't know. Yeah, and that that data is the most valuable data to any organization, and it is not being used. They might look at like you said, just basic numbers of it. But it's not about just the basic numbers and running analytics and seeing, oh, what's my close ratio? What's my, you know, lead acquisition time? What's my cost of acquisition? What's all all these little things? It's using that data and then using that data and passing it to other systems and having it, you know, uh, no borders. That's the harder part Mm -hmm. that we are all we are facing as an industry is, you know, if an agent comes to us and says, I have this tool and this tool. From you, I have this tool from you guys, and then I have this other tool over here. I want to make it work together. Yeah, and there, but also then you get you get agency or you know vendors that charge a yep. lot of money for their data. That was one of the things that uh, I we were in an API session at uh, Elevate, and that was talked about. And you know there was a lot of people in there, and I remember they asked Kodiak guys were they're sitting with me, and you know we both both of us have open APIs. Our right. management system does, our marketing system does, our rating system does. You know, they, they're open to get – the agents always can get access to their data. Yep. And um, we've made it easy by putting SDKs together, putting them online, uh, you know, publishing our standards, all of those types of things. And they've done similarly. However, that's not how most vendors are doing it. They create these, you know, APIs that are still closed gardens that they put tens of thousands of dollars. And I'm, I'm not kidding, 20 plus twenty dollars to $40,000 to get access to the API yeah. on, a, on a yearly basis. And uh, that's, you know, that's the first blocker is um, vendors thinking that they own your data. And if you should, if you're an agency buying an agency management system or a rating system, you ask them, where is the line in my contract, in my EULA, whatever, that says, what is the data data ownership and what is my rights to get that data out? Right. Now, I can – if you if you're a management system, if you're using a management system and you have a terabyte of attachments and you have five million policies and a vendor says, Hey, you know, we've got to put a person on this for, you know, a couple hours and we need to ship it a drive and securely ship all this stuff and get it over to you, it's gonna be two hundred, five hundred dollars. That's reasonable. That mm-hmm. that re- I can I can do that. However, people saying, oh, well, you know, you want to get your, you know, 500 quotes or, you know, 1,000, 2,000, 5,000 quotes out of your rating system. Well, that's going to be $4,000. That's, that's highway robbery. So the first part is getting vendors to be open about whose data it is right. and how much it would cost to get out. 
The second part of that is actually making them interoperable. And oh, for sure. That's and that's you know I'm an old developer and I love the whole thing of interop that data you know can you can sit there for multiple disparate systems access data and um, you've got um, all these data sources and the Accord standard, <laughs> which is actually the Accord suggestion. Everybody seems to do it differently. So it's a suggestion. All right. It's not, it's not ever the same. That's the hardest part is nobody's doing it the same. Correct. And then also a lot of the systems like Zapier, that's, that's a system out there that allows you kind of like a, it's a clearinghouse of all APIs and you can connect all these APIs. Mm. Well, the reality is, is that it's really great if you want to take contact information from system A and take content and then put it into contact information from system B. Like from your website to your rating system, your website to your management system, your phone system to your management system, all those things. Those are really good for those simple data sets. However, when you get into an insurance policy that each line of business is infinitely different and then you get into kind of like a comparative rating quote where there's hundreds of factors. God bless. Now let's talk about endorsements on on a property policy that changes by carrier, by state. Right. Those are all things that make it really hard for all those systems to work together. Yeah. And what that means is you've got to spend a lot of money to make those work together yourself or vendors need to be better at working together. So where do we start? Really, I think the, the the first start is the vendors actually kind of coming up and, you know, creating kind of an open, you know, understanding that it's not our data. Yeah. And be open. And, you know, we integrate with 30 different management systems. We've allowed um, multiple, you know, more than 10 management systems to actually embed our system in theirs. Our and, they have, yeah. and they have full access to their data. We have multiple customers that fully access all, all data points of their data. Mm-hmm. Securely, of course. Oh, yeah. And, you know, we've, we've published that. And we published that open. In fact, there is a competing comparative rater. We'll name names. Who took our specifications, our documentation, and integrated with one of our products without ever calling us? Mm-hmm. And I had a lot of people go, "Well, are you pissed about that?" Hell no. Uh, then we did our job. We documented the API. They're able to access it, and ultimately, what really drove that is that I had a customer that used my product. Mm-hmm. They had a customer that used my product, and instead of making it adversarial where they're going, well, ITC is not going to integrate with us because we're competitors. And then they go off and they build their own system or they use a competitor system that is open. This rating system vendor integrated with us, never sold us a word. And it was crazy because I was doing a demo of theirs once and I just saw our, our name over there. And I'm like, what? <laughs> What's that? <laughs> What's that? And, and I called them and just, I made sure that it was on level. And they're like, yeah, yeah. And I was like, great. And they're like, thought I was mad. And I'm like, no, this is the way Fine. it's supposed to work. So we want to work with other people. It, exactly. And we have to understand, we as vendors need to understand that we have to earn that business every single day. That's why we don't have contracts at right. ITC. It's month to month. And we earn that business every single day. But that means we have to deliver our product every single day at such a high level mm-hmm. that the um, the agencies look at it and go, hey, this is a fantastic system. I won't leave it, but I'm looking for best of breed. And 
ITC might not have the best X system, but it has the best Y system. So right. let's integrate them together. Exactly. That's we're the- not, not going to be a perfect fit across the board for every agent out there. We know that, which is why we do integrate with so many different systems. Yeah. And, you know, the insurance industry and a lot of industries are just so protective of their data and they do it under the guise of, well, this data is secure, you know, the, 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 the PII and all that stuff. That's, that's a, that's a lame duck excuse. Yeah. Because in the banking industry, they have a clearinghouse of all the banks where you can sit there and go into other banks, bank accounts. And have you ever used like TurboTax put in the, ah, you haven't, you have an account, but if you go to like TurboTax, oh, <laughs> but uh, you put go into TurboTax and then they reach into your Fidelity account, into your Bank of America account, into your IRAs, and they pull all that information and they even pull all the tax information over. Yeah. Same thing happens with banks. And so it's a lame excuse. It's a perfect place for the blockchain to actually work. That's, that's where the blockchain would be very powerful. And, um, it, it, but again, we have to be talking the same thing. But d- d- does the financial sector have the same problems where everybody's doing and handling data differently? Or is it no, all pretty standardized? It's standardized. Because See, it, that's yeah, how that works. We have to start by doing everything standard we need better standards i think i think that vendors as a whole are starting to come to that realization is that we're all starting to come to this idea that hey we really need to standardize this and you know there's been a standard that has been fairly well in place the al3 but it it's the original cord level three standard it's it's old it's a it's a flat fixed uh, length file i mean it's old school right i mean it doesn't even technically have a spot for email address that's how old it is. Yes. And <laughs> where is, so we need to improve. And I, I've been a big proponent of having an open standard that is actually done like on GitHub where it's open source, where everybody can use it. Everybody can contribute to it. I think, I think that's starting to develop steam mm-hmm. and um, it, it should, because, you know, I've openly said this to everybody that will listen is that that's the only way that this industry truly survives because getting that data from two different systems needs to be very seamless. Well, and, and you're just creating it more difficulty for agents to to talk to their clients and make the client experience super easy so that people want to work with independent agents. Mm-hmm. And, and we're just opening the door for pe- competition to come in. And, and it's the wrong competition because right. the people that are going to be able to do it are the progressives and the butt guy codes where they, they own their entire stack. Right. And they're, they're, everything they do is done in their realm and opening that stack up. You know, they're not going to open that stack up. And so we as vendors really need to assist agencies. And I, I hope that a couple of vendors listen to this so that, you know, I'm not just prattling on to, to nobody. But, to, to, to the, to the choir. Here. Yeah. <laughs> they're like going, you know, everybody is like, no kidding, Laird. You know, let's, let's talk more about tool. That sounds more interesting. <laughs> he, he's not letting go of that. I tried. Oh, <laughs> uh, sometimes it's fun. All right, and but we we have to work better, and uh, I, I've we we've done our part. I, I I will say we've been open. We anybody that wants to have a conversation about integration, we're like, yes, here's our standards, and we have done it with all of our competitors. We have made it available to them. So yeah, this is a great topic. I know. I thought I thought it'd be fun to talk about. 
especially since we were just talking in our, our first episode of the season about data analytics and stuff, I thought this might be a good introduction into that side of the business. Yeah. And, and you know, that's the data analytics and understanding your data is the first is you understanding know, you is have data. Part. Yeah. It's where like, is your data? <laughs> who owns it? <laughs> who owns it? Are it's, you paying attention to it? Is, it's kind of the first part, but the, the second part is then what do you do with that data? Once you, uh, you know, once you identify a signal in right. that data that says, Ooh, if this is, if this happens, then I need to shuttle this data over here to do this type of thing. Right. And you know, it's a complicated market because I'm thinking like Marketo and how it's integrated with like sugar and Salesforce mm-hmm. and, you know, all these different things. They, they, they go, Hey, we want to be integrated. We want to make this open. And the insurance industry just doesn't do it because we're afraid of our customers shopping our, um, our vendor, you know, vendors are afraid of uh, agencies shopping and trying to find a better system. And that's, you shouldn't be holding worried. them hostage is not the way to do it. Correct. And you shouldn't be worried about it. And agents yourselves should not be worried about losing one customer. You know, what you do is you offer something that actually you, you try to meet the needs of all the customers. And sometimes there's that one customer that's not a fit that you don't have the right thing. And so you shouldn't blow up and, and you know, get all, all worried that you lost a customer because you didn't have a, it's, it's why a, did a you lose market. that customer asking the why behind what happened can help you go, all right, this, this just wasn't a fit for us. So I sent it to my buddy down the street, but if if there was if there was a you know a lack in the process if there was a mistake that happened when you ask why you you can fix that yeah. and when you see it repeated that's that's when you get back to your data right when you see you're losing customers in the same process over the same process or the same thing happening you go okay. Clearly, I got to fix something. Correct. And I can equate this to our business, like a website business. And then I can also uh, equate this to an agency is that a lot of times agencies will go, well, I lost that sale. I lost a sale or I lost a customer because I didn't have this one market. And then they go through all this rigmarole to get that one market. And turns out they, they only have one customer a year. Right. That buys that market. So then, you know, you get this ego list where you got 30 carriers, mm-hmm. but you're writing 99% of your business with five of them. And then so it, that's not efficient. And the same thing happens, you know, there, there's a story here at ITC is that we had a website customer come in and we're really good at websites. They wanted a fully custom. I mean, like I'm talking, you know, we were writing custom code. We were well beyond our normal setups. You know, these are thousands and thousands of dollars of setup on this one. And finally I I went back to the guy and I said, listen, you know, we've sold thousands of websites and this is just out of our wheelhouse and let's do this. I'm going to refund your money and I want you to go We'll part as friends, but I'm just telling you, we're not a fit. After looking at this, I don't want you to feel that you lost any time or effort and all that, but we're not a fit. And he has since referred many customers to us yep. because of that one event. And that's exactly what you do as an agent. Okay. You, you write all personal lines, but you have someone that's a really good personal lines person come in and then they need a commercial policy. You refer them over to an agency that does commercial and personal lines. Yes. There's a risk that you're going to lose that account. However, a lot of times they're going to go, Hey, they referred me out on the commercial. I'm sticking with, I stick with them on the personal lines, but I'm, I'm using them for commercial. And you always have the opportunity to win that account back at a later time. Right. Exactly. 
but that's that's all in the data and asking why. So what is B atomic doing? Is it you know are they just telling people that they need to what 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 is B atomic? I they're a, a, a technology startup, an insurance technology startup. Um, it's been a little fuzzy on the details on exactly what they're working on. They're doing kind of like a. Um soft you know kind of like a a teaser launch yeah yeah um but but i think their standpoint is kind of like look there's there's this problem in this industry and 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 we want to help fix it which is to to what we've been saying is it's the agents that own the data and they need to be able to have access to it and take it if they need to or want to um as well as be able to have it flow from vendor to vendor or system to system in a better way yeah well, Sydney Sydney Rose is a rock star. Yeah. So he, wherever she goes, will definitely follow. You know, success will follow for sure. Yeah. So, well, I'm 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 interested uh, in their story, so I'm I'm definitely following um, to to see where they're where they're going because, like you said, it's gonna be it's gonna be uh, interesting to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And they they have the right messaging. They're they're at least capitalizing on the right message that. Agents are looking for this these days. Yeah. Cool. Yep. Cool, cool. It's Labor Day weekend. It is. It's a long weekend, and I don't know of anything I'm doing. I think the only thing – no. I think I'm installing a new Wi-Fi network. I think that's what I'm doing. I need to go shoe shopping. I've seen on Twitter that your shoes are just falling apart. And you walk down the hallway, and I hear flap, flap, <laughs> flap, and show. I'm like, Becky wearing flip-flops? Nope. No, nope, my, my shoe- shoes are falling apart. I've had three pairs in the last three weeks where the sole has literally fallen off. Mm-hmm. Not this, like the bottom of the shoe has literally fallen off. Well, do you wear them a lot? Or are you just buying cheaper shoes or something? What What's what's going on? A lot of these are my old pairs. Like, I've had ah. them for a long time. Okay. So you're you're taking them out for one last drive. And then... <laughs> I didn't. I don't. I didn't notice when I put them on <laughs> that they were falling off. It just happened that they were coming apart, and in the course of the day, it just felt the, the you, bottom I mean, fell off. You've had it happen so many times. I would carry a pair of flip flops in your car. <laughs> Everybody has said to me, "You need to keep a backup pair of shoes no, in your office." Flip flops, like, like these things will never fall apart. You know, these are just pure rubber. Yeah. Well, I also need to go shoe shopping because I have a tradition. When I start a new job, I go shoe shopping. Oh, yes. And uh, you, you and I have a new job, so I need to go job. shoe shopping. Congratulations on that, by the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah. You didn't go out of ITC, though. No, I am still at ITC. Yeah. Well, it, it's... Uh, I said that to somebody the other day, the look on their face was like, what? <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, no it's, I'm in uh, here. No, you... Uh, you you are now ITC's chief marketing officer, which I is am. A, which is a phenomenal position. Thank you. And so uh, you moving up? Yep. Apparently, I've reached the height of my trajectory. Though I had somebody else say that to me. That was fun. No, no. There, there's always more. There's always something else. Hey, I've I've got a lot I've got to tackle right now. I'm not focused on the next thing just yet. Yeah. Well, you know, it's. Uh, in, in seven years, if you're still doing it, then you know go do something well, else. I know that's that's, that's my rule. <laughs> if you're doing the same thing for seven years, you should probably stop. You look, you, it's time for a change. Yeah, no, but it's been good. Awesome. So, other than sh- uh, traditional shoe shopping, doing anything fun with the long weekend? Um, we we my husband's talked about maybe smoking a brisket, hanging out with some friends. We'll see. That's fun. Yeah. What about you? I no idea. No idea. And um, you're not going to hop in your plane, fly to New Mexico? No, 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 no. Uh, that that was fun though. Um, I I don't know. It's just so hot. 
Well, it, it's not hot it, up in the air. <laughs> well, no, it is actually because the plane doesn't have air conditioning. Mm. And uh, but the thing that gets me is that I I was out of town this week and I heard that there was a cold front. Oh, I felt it. I, I didn't. <laughs> no, 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 no. Literally, I was I went out for a run that morning and it was like eighty two degrees when I started. Mm-hmm. Midway through my run, the cold front came through and it dropped ten degrees. And I was like, "Oh my god, this is amazing!" Uh, but I, I left and it was one hundred and three, and I came back and it was one hundred and one. And I'm like, "I heard there was a cold front. Where is this cold front?" It happened. Oh, it, it was like the day you were gone. Ah, well, that's that's just beautiful. Yeah. Um, I, I literally felt it come through. It's amazing. Yeah, it, I finished my run strong. This uh, this year is actually uh, I'm, I'm this is my favorite part time of year. I love fall. Mm-hmm. Fall and winter are my favorite seasons, and uh, I'm, we're getting into it. So I, we don't have winter in Texas. <laughs> I know, but I can go winter somewhere else. Yeah. You know, people you, do you go know, to snow, Boston snowbirds, in the winter sometimes. Yeah, sm- snowbirds winter down in Florida. I winter up in you know Saskatchewan. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I want 17 feet of snow. <laughs> you you go right up up there. I'm I'm, I'm a Texas girl. I'm, I'm I'm good without the snow. Um. So, dear listeners, what do you think? Do agents own their data? Is this episode too long? Probably. <laughs> um. Where where do you think we need to start tackling this particular problem? Hit us up on Twitter. I'm Becky L. Schroeder. Laird is L. Ricks Ford. You can tweet using the hashtag insurance happy hour. Or the hashtag I also enjoy the new tool album. <laughs> or you can also use the hashtags on, on LinkedIn. We're there as well. Um, all the links to the articles will be in the show notes. Cool. And subscribe if you have not already in your favorite podcast app. It's been a good episode. It's been fun. All right, well, as always, thanks for listening. You would have not. We would would have spent 30 minutes just talking about Tool if I let you. (laughs) You just named the episode something like Laird's a Tool. (laughs) I mean, don't tempt me.